Hello, hello, everybody. Today is Wednesday, September 6th, 2023, in the United Corporations of America, as Jordan always likes to remind us. Uh, we've got a great show coming up today. Uh, we're going to cover all sorts of different stories. Uh, we're going to start it off, though, uh, with the latest on Trump having a first real serious lawsuit as far as having ballot access uh, in the state of Colorado. Uh, we're going to look at that specific instance in Colorado, as well as uh, the potential for this to be happening, not only in Colorado, but in other states across the country. Uh, obviously, that could lead to some real chaos when it comes to the timing of this, as people are now just starting to uh, getting into, uh, sorry, states now are getting into the, the phase of needing to finalize ballots for the Republican primary coming up uh, soon. And a lot of these lawsuits and whatnot are going to be going on while people are literally casting votes. So uh, we'll get into some of the specifics there. Uh, we're also going to be joined at 5.30 uh, Eastern time, so in about a half an hour, by the one and only Tina Desiree Berg. Uh, Tina has been on the ground in Atlanta, I believe twice at this point, covering the uh, Cop City uh, going on there. She's covered some protests there as well as uh, some other actions going on. So um, there's some new reporting coming out today. We're going to talk to Tina about that and get an update on what's going on in Atlanta, uh, because frankly, some people are being charged with some absolutely uh, ridiculous uh, levels of crimes that have basically nothing to do uh, with what has actually been going on here. Uh, the state of Georgia really escalating this uh, purely because they can, it seems. Um, but I'm excited to talk to Tina about the specifics there. Uh, and we're also at some point going to give an update as well on uh, a little bit more that I found uh, last week. If, if you were here joining us, uh, we talked a lot about uh, the geriatrics who are in charge of this country. Um, some fun reporting actually came out over the weekend on this. We also have a little bit of an update from Mitch McConnell uh, on, you know, what exactly happened last week when he lights out froze. Uh, again, it's the second time this had happened to him in about a month and a half. Uh, obviously, you know, like I said last week, we don't like to see folks, you know, un not doing well health-wise, especially as they're getting older, but it's a whole other thing when you are a public official who is representing literally millions and millions of people. And in Mitch McConnell's case, he is literally the, the you know, Senate leader on the Republican side. Uh, he is not just a regular senator, although we've got plenty of elderly senators. Uh, he has a lot more power behind this. Um, but for those of you just joining right now, please smash the like button down below to help get this stream out to more folks. It makes a huge difference. You've got no idea. Uh, that gets it out into the algorithm. Love seeing everybody in the comments as well. I try to keep an eye out on them as we go. But uh, super chats are the one thing that I definitely won't miss. All super chats I will make sure we've read by the end of the show. Um, and uh, yeah, so with all of that being said, let's get into the latest on these... Trump ballot lawsuits, first with uh, an article from ABC News discussing the specific case in Colorado. Uh, the headline here, group sues to block Trump from 2024 ballot in Colorado, citing the 14th Amendment and January 6th. Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics, a Washington-based watchdog group on Wednesday, filed a lawsuit on behalf of a handful of voters seeking to bar former President Donald Trump from the 2024 ballot in Colorado under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment based on his alleged involvement in the January 6th attack on, Capit on the U.S. Capitol. 
The suit, quickly dismissed by the Trump team, marks one of the first serious challenges to his qualifications as presidential candidate based on a 14th Amendment argument. Section 3 states that somebody isn't eligible for future office if, while they were previously in office, they took an oath to support the Constitution, but then, quote, engaged in an insurrection or rebellion against the same or gave aid or comfort to the enemies thereof, unless they are granted amnesty by a two-thirds vote of Congress. Obviously, a two-thirds vote of Congress would not happen. Uh, supporters of this theory argue this applies to Trump because of his conduct after he lost the 2020 election, but sought to reverse the results. Previous such efforts focused on other Republicans have failed, but Crew last year successfully pushed to remove a county official in New Mexico who was convicted of trespassing in connection with the attack on the Capitol. Wednesday's suit against Trump was filed with Crew's attorneys by six Republicans and unaffiliated Colorado voters including former state, federal, and local officials. The suit accuses Trump of inciting and aiding the mob that stormed the Capitol two years ago. He was previously impeached by the House of Representatives for the same crime, but, or for the same, but was acquitted by the Senate and has repeatedly maintained he did not incite the rioters. Um, this article continues to go on here, and obviously this one is brought up in the state of Colorado, uh, which is a, a big state, just like, you know, for this to be brought up in any state is a big deal here. Again, former President Trump uh, is by far the leading candidate on the Republican side of the primary this year, of the ballot. Uh, he's up in many cases by 35 to 40%, 35 to 40% uh, in the polls, uh, ahead of Ron DeSantis, ahead of Vivek Ramaswamy, ahead of Nikki Haley, ahead of Chris Christie. I mean. All of those other people that I just mentioned, with the exception of DeSantis and Ramaswamy in a couple polls, are polling in the single digits, where you've got former President Trump literally at 55%. Whether you like the guy or not, whether you think he you know, committed crimes here or not, um, this is going to be an interesting thing to look at as we get closer to the uh, as we get closer to the primary season where, where Americans are going to be casting their votes here. Um, and that is something that folks from many of these other states are taking seriously and looking into. Um, Colin, we can go ahead and pull up the next article from NBC News, which is kind of discussing this similar stuff here, um, but not just in the state of Colorado, but what might happen uh, if this begins to happen in other parts of the state. Um, again, please smash the like button to help get this out to more folks as well. Uh, headline from NBC News. Secretaries of state get ready for possible challenges to Trump's ballot access. Arizona's Secretary of State is the latest to say his office is grappling with the potential effects of a move to block Trump from the ballot. Arizona's Secretary of State, Adrian Fontes, said Tuesday that his office is figuring out how to handle potential complaints over whether former President Donald Trump should be disqualified from appearing on the 2024 ballot. The issue centers on the 14th Amendment, which prohibits people who have engaged in an insurrection or rebellion from holding public office. Former, governor, uh, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson raised the theory at last week's GOP presidential debate that Trump's conduct on January 6, 2021 might disqualify him on those grounds, a theory that has gained traction among some legal scholars, though others discount the possibility. Now, the people running state elections are trying to figure out what to do if people bring legal challenges against Trump. Quote, we have, to, we have to have a final certification of eligible candidates for the primary ballot by December 14th for Arizona's presidential preference election, Fontes, a Democrat elected last year, told NBC News. 
Quote, and because this will ultimately end up in court, we are taking this very seriously. New Hampshire Secretary of State David Scanlon is dealing with the same question as he watches a potential challenge to Trump brewing in his own state. There, a Republican former Trump ally is considering bringing a 14th Amendment challenge against him. Quote, we need to run an election, Fontas said. We need to know who is eligible and who, and this is of incredible national interest. We aren't taking a position one way or the other. Quote, if there are people who want to fight this out, they need to start swinging because I have an election to run, Fontas added. Scanlon of New Hampshire made the same point Monday that he is not seeking to remove any names from the presidential primary ballot, but is trying to figure out what to do about potential challenges that are brewing. So obviously, um, you know, sp speaking with folks uh, running elections in multiple states, this is going to be a, a bit of a touchy thing to sort out. Um, I don't know of this happening in the United States before, uh, but it's definitely a little dangerous as far as the timing goes. Again, as this first lawsuit in Colorado is being brought up, um, you know, the, the, the dates to certify who's going to be on the ballot in Colorado are coming up soon. Uh, in several of these other states, uh, including New Hampshire, Arizona, and I'm sure dozens more, the ballots need to be certified and who's going to be on them very soon. Even if some of these cases are being figured out as people are voting, this is going to be a bit of a nightmare and I am not sure how it's going to be handled. Um, it's one of those things where, you know what, let's, let's actually take a look at that, that uh, timeline a little bit here. Uh, Colin, I'm just going a little out of order. Can you pull up the Time uh, article that has the, the timelines here? I just want to go through some of these dates because it's a little wild to uh, when you see it all, all kind of typed out. So uh, let's just skip down, Colin, to the dates. Uh, let's skip down to where it says September 6th, because um, that's today. So September 6th, arraignment in Georgia case. Um, we've got September 27th. He's got the second GOP primary debate. We'll see if President Trump uh, participates in that one. October 2nd, trial in the Trump Organization civil fraud suit. October 23rd, first trial in the Georgia case. January 15th, trial in the E. Jean Carroll civil defamation suit. January 15th, Iowa Republican caucus. Okay, so he's got all these things. Literally on the day of the Republican caucus, he has a civil suit. That's different than a legal one, but still. January 29th, trial in pyramid scheme class action suit. February 6th is the Nevada Republican primary. February 27th is the Michigan Republican primary. Uh, March 4th, trial in federal January 6th case, the day before March 5th, which is the Super Tuesday primaries. It continues though. I mean, March 25th, trial in New York State criminal hush money case. Uh, May 14th, pretrial hearing in classified documents case. May 20th, trial in classified documents case. At that point, ordinarily, the, 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 you know, who is the Republican nominee would mostly all be but decided, or the Democratic nominee, if, if the Democrats were having a primary, really, this year. I mean, sure, there is a primary, but no debates uh, uh, as it stands. It's, it's uh, well, I don't want to speculate on if Joe Biden's going to be there at that point or not. But um, these dates are going to be happening. These trials are going to be happening simultaneously as states need to get their ballots in order, as people need to make the decision who they're going to vote for. And 
frankly, it makes me a little bit nervous. Um, this may or may not be unpopular, I'm not sure, but to me, I think that, yeah, it's obvious that Trump is to blame for what happened uh, on January 6th. I think he's definitely committed crimes here. However, this stuff should have been sorted out months ago if we were talking about removing him from the ballot. Like, we're talking about removing the most popular candidate on the Republican side of the aisle, who is also the most likely of those people to beat the current president, Joe Biden, in an election, and having removing him from the ballot on some of this stuff. Again, I, I think if we applied the rule of law equally against all of our corrupt politicians up, up until this point, there might be more of a case. But like, this is pretty unprecedented. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on here, obviously. But, you know, I'm, it, it gives me some pause. It gives me some pause, to say the least. Um, I mean, it, we'll, we'll ultimately see what's going to happen here. But I think if he ends up being removed from the ballot in some of these states, we're going to not only see protests, but we're going to see a lot worse than that. Uh, who knows what the next steps will be. Um, I saw this clip floating around online, actually, from uh, uh, what is it? former governor Mike Huckabee. Um, it's just a, a quick clip here about what he thinks will happen. Uh, I don't even know if many people in the right wing are really paying attention to what he has to say these days, but let's go ahead and take a listen. Do you know how political opponents to those in power are dealt with in third world dictatorships, banana republics and communist regimes? Well, it's simple. The people in power use their police agencies to arrest their opponents for made-up crimes in an attempt to discredit them, bankrupt them, imprison them, exile them, or all of the above. And if you're not paying attention, you may not realize that Joe Biden is using exactly those tactics to make sure that Donald Trump is not his opponent in 2024. Here's the problem. If these tactics end up working to keep Trump from winning or even running in 2024, it is going to be the last American election that will be decided by ballots rather than bullets. So uh, I agree with some of that, but I disagree with, with some of that as well. I mean, uh, first off, uh, he mentions made up crimes. Uh, very likely, again, that, that uh, I mean, I think it's more than likely at this point that, that President Trump committed real crimes. So there, there's a big difference there, yes. Um, but uh, I understand the general sentiment there uh, of what Mike Huckabee is going for. And, and I, I, you know, I don't know if I want to take it all the way as far as he did, but I think if, if Donald Trump is removed from the ballot, it will spell a growing issue a growing sentiment of issues with elections in the United States uh, and uh, using your power in politics to enforce crimes when you want to and not other times. Um, I would like to see the same standard put against everybody, but because we haven't held Trump to the standard at this point, I don't know. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. Um, but, you know, again, I'm, I don't like Trump as much as the next guy, but... If you really want to make sure he is not president again, I really don't think this is the move. I think if anything, that's going to get, you know, even, even attempting to do this is going to rally up his base even more to get out and vote for him more than they were going to before if he stays on the ballot. If you really want to defeat this guy, forget about doing that. Put up a real 
candidate who can beat him. Pick somebody who actually can speak to the American people, speak to the issues that are really happening and affecting everybody on a day-to-day -day basis, and try to improve their current situation and talk about those issues. Now, that will be a hard pill to swallow for the Democrats because right now they are all in still with Joe Biden somehow. Not sure how. We talked a lot about that last week. We're going to talk about it a little bit more today. But that's how you remove Donald Trump from this situation. You don't need to, you know, go ahead and try to have a lot, you know, pile more lawsuits onto that pile of them that are already there, right? Uh, I agree that he should be tried in a lot of these, but... This is, a, this is a slippery slope, I would say, in my opinion. Um, it's okay if you disagree with me there, uh, but uh, that's, that's where we're at with it. So um, with that, I'm going to move on here to some of the stuff that we talked about last week, actually, uh, for a couple minutes here. Um, last week, we spent some time going over, uh, well, it was the day that Mitch McConnell had his second freeze up uh, in a period of about five weeks. Um, Colin, if we have that video, let's, let's play that video just to remind folks what that was in case you didn't see that already. Uh, and then we're going to talk about what has been kind of released since then. What are my thoughts about what? Running for re-election in 2026. Oh. Did you hear the question, Senator? Running for re-election in 2026? All right, I'm sorry, you all, we're gonna need a minute. Okay. Somebody else have a question? Please speak up. So again, obviously hard to watch. I prefaced this last week. Uh, it, it's one of those things, you hate to see elderly people not doing well in decline, but it's a whole other thing when you are a public servant who represents the millions of constituents in your state. And not only that, when in his case, he's the Senate, uh, the, the leader on the Republican side. Um, that is not okay. That is the, the, the signs, the warning signs that it is time to take a step back. Um, obviously, not what he's doing. Uh, we actually have a clip, Colin, I apologize, I'm going a little out of order today, uh, of McConnell downplaying uh, the situation. He was asked about it just about an hour or two ago, actually. Uh, let's take a listen to what he had to say. He didn't tell us what it might have been. Do you know what it is? You've had all these evaluations. What have doctors said is the precise medical reason for those two freeze-ups? What Dr. Monahan's report addressed was concerns people might have that some things that happened to me did happen, but they didn't. And there's really, I have nothing to add to that. I think you pretty well covered the subject. What do you say to those who are calling on you to step down? Uh, do you have any plans to retire anytime soon? <laughs> I have no announcements to make on that subject. But what do you say to those who are... I, I'm going to finish my term as leader, and I'm going to finish my Senate term. Thank you. Uh, so obviously getting asked quite a bit about this, as, as he should, uh, because the official narrative that came from the Senate doctor 
uh, was literally that he was probably dehydrated. Um, Colin, I believe we have the tweet uh, that um, mentions that, the dehydration uh, tweet. Um, also, it's got a comment from, from Rand Paul in it. I'll just read it here. There we go. Uh, so Rand Paul rejects notion that Mitch McConnell was dehydrated. Quote, I don't think that's particularly been helpful to have the Senate doctor describing it as dehydration, uh, which I think even a non-physician seeing that probably aren't going to be really accepting of that explanation. Um, again, not providing people real answers. Um, to what is actually going on here. There's one last part to this that I wanted to highlight as well. Uh, a photo that kind of was floating around of Mitch McConnell a year ago versus now. Um, there he is a year ago uh, and versus now. And again, it's, it's tough to see, but I mean, clearly something is happening to the man. Uh, that is a, a stark difference in a year. Um, you know, I hope that he you know does the right thing here and decides to at the least not run again um but at, at, at most i don't understand why so many of these people don't just take a step back hang out with their grandkids on their front porch and drink lemonade and go to the beach and, and do their thing because as these folks get older and older it, the, the decline happens really quickly um i saw a very interesting article on this and and this is more relevant to uh, again, what we were talking about last week, uh, comparing President Biden, uh, his, his age, President Trump's age, um, and them, again, you know, both of them would be running again. They'd be in their 80s. Uh, in Trump's case, uh, Biden would be 86, I believe, by the end of his term. Um, Nate Silver uh, put together a piece that actually went into some of the statistics of, of how likely uh, your cause of death might be uh, as you get older here. Um, let's go ahead and read a little bit from this. Um, so uh, headline here, of course, Biden's age is a legitimate voter concern. There's also some great stats here that I wanted to, to keep in. So we'll read a little bit from this. Uh, an APNORC poll published last week found that 77% of American adults think President Biden is too old to be effective for four more years. 51% of respondents said the same of Donald Trump. Biden is slightly more than three and a half years older than Trump. He's currently 80 and would be 82 years and two months old on January 20th, 2025, if inaugurated for a second term. Trump is 77 now and would be 78 years and roughly seven months old on the same day. The relatively large gap in assessments of the candidates may partly reflect tactical answers by partisan respondents. Among Democrats, roughly equal numbers say that Biden and Trump are too old. Presumably, they respond that way because it's harder to single out the other party's candidate for being too old when your guy is even older. Among Republicans, however, 89% say that Biden is too old, while only 28% say the same of Trump. However, the difference isn't entirely to be chalked up to partisanship. 74% of independents also say that Biden was too old, while just 48% said that of Trump. Obviously, some of this comes down to voter subjective views of the candidates and their way and the way that age and health is portrayed in the media. However, I don't think voters assessments are entirely subjective or at least not necessarily so. The 3.6 year age difference between Biden is Trump, Biden and Trump is potentially meaningful, at least based on broad population level statistics. Here, for instance, is a chart depicting the annual risk of death for an American non-Hispanic white male in 2019 and 2020, according to the CDC. Um, Colin, if we're able to zoom in on this graphic at all, I'd like people to be able to see it because this to me is, is what, uh, is, is kind of the big headline here. So, uh, the blue 
square rectangle here is what Biden's age would be if reelected, and the red is Trump's. And this other line is uh, tracking your likelihood of just death of natural causes uh, if at that age as an American white man, which is what both Biden and Trump are. And when you look at the end of what a Biden president would be, his chances of just dying of natural causes is literally 10%. 10% in a year. At that point, I mean, that's a, th th those are some high odds. You have to have a, you're, you're really like looking at, okay, who is the vice president? Who are the next people in line for this position? Because when we're looking at numbers like that, and it's crazy that we even have to discuss this, that we have folks this old in politics to begin with, um, it's definitely something that needs to be looked at. Again, uh, at that point, there's a very, there's a higher likelihood than one would like that you're not voting for President Biden, but you're voting for whoever his vice president would be, which in this case is Kamala Harris. Um, that's, that's not ideal. And not to mention, this is average American, right? This is not somebody who has the most stressful job in the world arguably the most stressful job in the world. Being president of the United States does not count anywhere on the list of easy positions. You can look at the photos of any president uh, from the day one of, of their presidency to the end, and all of them look very much weathered and older afterwards. Um, so, you know, although, you know, he's gonna have better, better healthcare probably than most Americans, which is a whole other conversation, but definitely, uh, Something that I, I wish I had this, this graph for you last week when we went into this uh, in more detail, but I found this uh, over the weekend and wanted to uh, share this with all of you. Um, with that as well, uh, let me make sure I didn't have anything else on, on this here, but uh, I think if she's ready, we'll, we'll get ready to bring in Tina here. I see a nod, so we'll, we'll, bring, we'll bring Tina in. <laughs> I'm <laughs> the, the, here. <laughs> Awesome. I saw the face in the bottom of the screen with the nod. I was like, all right, we, we should be good to go. Um, <laughs> thank, thanks so much for, uh, for coming on here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess uh, this morning uh, or yesterday, I believe, an yesterday. article came out in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'll read a little bit from it first here. Uh, and then I'd love to get uh, the the update and all the behind the scenes of, of you know, uh, from somebody who's been covering this a lot more closely, uh, what what's going on here? Because at first glance, uh, it looks pretty ridiculous. Um, Colin, it is pretty pull... ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, I'll read a little bit from this here. So uh, more than 60 Atlanta Training Center activists named in RICO indictment. Uh, more than five dozen activists were indicted on RICO charges last week over the ongoing efforts to halt construction of the City of Atlanta planned public safety training center in DeKalb County. The sweeping indictment filed in Fulton County is being prosecuted by the Georgia, Georgia Attorney General's office. A total right. of 61 protesters have been charged with violating the state's Racketeering Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. Some face additional charges of domestic terrorism, arson, money laundering. Most are not from Georgia. Uh, the, the attorney general here is essentially saying, we're just trying to do our job. Um, I want to read a couple, I'm going to skip down a little bit. I want to read a couple of the, uh, the overt acts that are being included here. Um, there's some funny the overt acts. <laughs> yes. Yes. And we'll, we'll I, I want to go through a couple of them in a little bit here too, but even just in the article, most of the money transfers cited in the indictment are for nominal amounts of less than $100. 
One defendant received $15.18 in reimbursement from Network for Strong Communities for goods to further living in the forest. Uh, the indictment says the language is repeated dozens and dozens of times. Yeah, glue. Um, for, for, yeah, for, for folks who, who might not be like uh, fully up to speed on what's going on here, can you, can you, catch, can you catch everybody up? <laughs> Yeah, so obviously there's an ongoing situation in Atlanta for what they're calling the Public Safety Training Center. The activists are calling it Cop City. Um, right off the top, I want to mention the indictment does not even get who owns the land correct. They, they falsely say that the land is owned by the police foundation. That is absolutely not true. The police foundation has never owned this land. They do not own it now. What they would have if this goes through is a lease with the city of Atlanta. The land is currently in a public trust um, and it's supposed to be only used as public open space for the public. Um, Arthur Blank Foundation is overseeing that public trust and, it's, and the land itself would be um, owned by the city. So for, for them to say right off the top that the police foundation owns this land is just a lie. I have no idea why they would state that. Um, but beyond that, you know, we're seeing a lot of the same um, cases being brought up. So 42 of the 61 that have been indicted um, are already facing domestic terrorism charges. So this is just an additional layer here. I want to point out that this is state RICO charges. It is the mm -hmm. state uh, state's attorney general that's bringing this. The DeKalb County um, DA came out a few months ago and said that she did not want to pursue the domestic terrorism charges that were going to be going on in her county because she didn't think there was enough evidence. I think that mm -hmm. is the right thing to do. Many of the people that have been charged have done nothing more than exercise First Amendment rights, basically. Um, so they've, the, the um, domestic terrorism charges have been removed for most of these people? No, they've been picked no. up by okay. the state. So when... Oh, when God, they, okay. I'm glad you're asking that. Let me clarify. Yeah. So when yeah, yeah, yeah. the... When uh, the DeKalb County DA decided to step away from this, um, immediately the state's uh, attorney general came in and said, we are still going to go forward and prosecute these cases. So so the state is going forward with them, um, which That's is crazy. Insane. So yeah. part of in order for them to establish that there is a RICO case there, you have to have some sort of formal organization that actually exists. So basically the state is trying to say that defend at the atlanta forest is a formal organization um with members this is not true this is a decentralized movement um oftentimes you'll see the indictment language contradicts itself because one at one point it says well they don't have a regular meeting place we don't know who's running the show who the leadership is they acquiesce all that well that's because there is nobody running the show this is just a decentralized movement um, not a formal organization um, you brought up some of the overt acts. I wanted to read some of them because it's kind of funny. One of them you were bringing up had um, a lot of it has to do. Let me go back. A lot of it has to do with uh, money laundering charges that came into the bail fund. So a few months mm -hmm. ago, we saw arrests related to that. And those folks are now being charged. In addition to uh, having the domestic terrorism charges, they're now being charged with many counts of uh, felony money laundering. And all of it has to do with re reimbursing things for activists that you know one of them was bot glue by yeah glue and actually colin I, I i think we have a twitter thread with some of these colin do you mind opening oh, up the, the right, twitter yeah. thread yeah yeah we can go through some of these uh line by line <laughs> because yeah it's frankly ridiculous um, it's frankly ridiculous yes 
Colin, do we have that uh, Twitter thread? Uh, perfect. So uh, this was the part that uh, we can skip to the next one. Uh, Tina talked about this. Oh, yeah, th there owned. it is. I'm glad you brought yeah. that up. So right there, you see it in black and white. They're basically saying that the Atlanta Police Foundation owns the land. This is absolutely not true. And actually, there's, there's two sections of land that are um, sort of being converse now. It's not just the cop city land adjacent. And mm. I've talked about this on Stasco before the adjacent land that is uh, being run by Ryan Millsap, uh, Shadowbox Studios. That was a land swap deal where he gave Dacab County um, land that he owned in, in exchange for this other land that he wanted. And um, that has not been finalized. There is still a court order injunction against developing it because uh, you know, Arthur Blank Foundation is supposed to approve any land swap deals because, again, this land has been placed in the public trust. It's not owned by mm -hmm. the police foundation. It is definitely um, not something that just can be handed over to a private corporation, even if it's an exchange of land. So that's still being worked out. And one of the things that came out um, during the initial phase of that lawsuit, the discovery phase, was that there was a previous land swap deal that had occurred, uh, you know, 15 years ago that Arthur Blank Foundation mm. didn't know about. So they brought that up. You can read it in the court documents where he's like, what is this previous land swap deal that I'm just learning about now because you're doing this one? That was never okayed by me. Um, and it's really not clear what happened with that land. It was never developed. Um, you know, I looked into it and I couldn't find any more details other than that. So kind of a mm. mystery there. But, you know, none yeah. of this stuff is cut and dry and cut and dry. And, you know, one thing to keep in mind with a grand jury, they can be good or bad. Right. So a grand jury, uh, it depends on who's running the show. Is this an honest player that's actually uh, being honest about where this case is going to go if it goes to trial? Or are they trying to push a certain narrative to get a certain outcome? A grand jury does not have a defense attorney present. There's nobody offering um, counter arguments to what the prosecution and their witnesses are saying. So anybody that sits on a grand jury is is basically taking as fact what right. they're being told. So they can leave out facts if they want. And that happens right. quite often if this if somebody doesn't want to be entirely honest and wants to push a certain narrative. And obviously the state of Georgia has that narrative being pushed already. And that is right. that we we want to build this thing. We don't care that the public doesn't support it. Uh, you right. know, there's a referendum right now that's going uh, through the system where they had to get a lot of signatures in order for it to be on the ballot in November. They exceeded that number. They have over 80,000 signatures for this uh, referend referendum to be on the ballot. And let's be clear that 80,000 is number out of a pool of 400,000 potential voters. So that's right. wow. a huge amount of people that yeah, signed yeah. this thing. Huge right. amount. So. And yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, here, let's call in. If you don't mind pulling those back up too, we'll, uh, oh, we'll go through some of the specific. Oh no, you're fine. You're good. <laughs> um, so we've got a, uh, uh, on or around November 6th, Savannah Patterson did transfer $40 to Marlon Cotts for radio communication devices and camp fuel. Uh, this is an overt act in the furtherance of the conspiracy. Um, so that's uh, for, for gas and walkie-talkies. Um, we have um, on or around January 10th, Marlon Cotts and Adele McLean and Savannah Patterson transferred $27.62 in reimbursement from the Network for Strong Communities to Brooke Countersmatch. Apology for, for butchering tools. the names here. Uh, for Forest Tools. This was yeah. an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Uh, we've got another one. Uh, $50 reimbursement. Um, this is on or around January 10th. Brooke Countersmatch uh, received $52.22. This one was for Forest Kitchen Food. Um, obviously that is a, an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. 
Uh, we'll do another one here because the next one's too good. Uh, this one, on or about August 9th, uh, Emily Murphy received $11.91 in reimbursement. <laughs> yep. Uh, for glue. That, man, $11 for glue absolutely constitutes racketeering charges, right? I mean... <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy, but what, I guess what they're trying to do, and again, they're very insular in making this happen, um, and I don't know that anybody is, like, you know, tapping on this from the outside and saying, hey, maybe this is a weak case, right? Right. But clearly they're trying to say, so uh, Defend Atlanta Forest is a formal organization. Uh, the money mm -hmm. arm is over here doing the money laundering. They're giving money to these paid activists that are camping out in the forest. These paid activists are engaging in acts of arson, are trying to break into buildings, are, are uh, torching construction equipment. When the reality is, is the vast majority of the people that they arrested did nothing more than exercise First Amendment rights. They bring mm -hmm. up um, a group that was arrested a few months back for handing out leaflets. Uh, mm -hmm. The leaflets were about a Georgia State trooper that was involved with the killing of Manuel Tehran, uh, Tortuguita, in the forest. So they might not like what those leaflets say, but that is still 100% protected free speech in this country. So to say that that's an act of domestic terrorism and now part of the RICO charge is part of this racketeering that's happening. Um, also, yeah. where's the profit motive here? You know, one of the things that generally right. you want to see in a, a, a solid RICO case is that there's some sort of profit motive. There, that doesn't exist here either. I wanted to bring up one other glaring thing um, that I think is mm -hmm. important as well. They list as the start date of this movement, defend the Atlanta Forest movement, as being the death of George Floyd. This is not true, but it in their mind, it benefits their case, right? Mm. Because all of that civil unrest that happened in 2020 in regards to not only George Floyd, but you know other um, individuals that were killed by the police, including in Atlanta, all of, the, all of that movement and that protestation that happened during that time period, they're trying to associate with the Defend uh, Atlanta Forest because they want to say that these guys are very much against law enforcement, ACAB, the whole right. nine yards, because they think that that paints a certain picture um, for your right. average jury member um, in the state of Georgia. But th this is just not the case. Um, the movement started well into 2021. So to say that the start of this was the death of George Floyd is ridiculous, but that's what they're doing there as well. Um, you know, again, I'm, oh, go ahead. I know, I was going to say, I'm curious. So uh, at this point, like, you know, obviously this is one piece to what's been going on here. These guys and gals have been fighting, you know, for, for a while now and been throwing all sorts of curveballs like this. Um, what what has kind of, you know, I don't, I don't know if you've spoken with anybody recently here, but what is the general sentiment amongst uh, the organizers right now? What are kind of some of the the moves that are happening behind the scenes that, that people are, are trying to rally behind? No, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I think the opposite is, is happening as to what the state wants to have happen. The state thinks that, that by sort of trying to chill First Amendment, I think they know that their case isn't that solid. I think they realize that the domestic charges, terrorism charges are uh, really weak, probably not going to stick in most mm -hmm. cases, if not all of them. I think they're aware of that. I don't think that's the end game. The end game for the state is to chill the uh, First Amendment rights, right, to chill the protest movement, to get these guys quieted down enough and afraid enough that they that they stop protesting, right? They're trying to get mm -hmm. the referendum thrown out now. They're starting to say the signatures are not validated and, and using other legal means so that this doesn't make it onto the ballot in November because I think they're afraid that it will pass. And from what I'm seeing, it probably will. So that will be the end of gotcha. Cop City. They won't be able to build it. So having so said that- So that would be the implications. That would be the implications of the ballot measure though. So if it, so it, it, it's on the ballot, it's a 
vote, like a yes or a no vote, essentially, on do right. we want our money going towards this? Okay. Wow. Right. Do we want the I least? Mean, a... We want the least to happen with the police foundation. So most of the what's happening though behind the scenes to answer your question is they're getting fired up. They're angrier. These the, these um, egregious charges because they're so overwrought. Like they're just not in reality. There are ways to make RICO charges. This is not one of them. This is a bad case. Um, you know, trying to criminalize First Amendment rights is a really dangerous precedent. They're now going to like have, I guarantee this, you're now going to have every freaking First Amendment law um, organization, ACLU down in Atlanta now to defend these charges because it's that serious and it's that wow. egregious. And I think most of the um, on the ground activists that I, I have absolutely remained in touch with they're angry about this. This is just galvanize them more. It's not going to stop them from coming out and protesting. They're not afraid of the state. They know that these charges are egregious. They might be willing to get arrested to fight for their cause because uh, they think it's that serious and that important. And I think uh, it's beyond not just having the public safety center, Cop City, built at this point. It's now, you know, gotten to be a bigger uh, conversation about what protest means in this country, what uh, protected free speech means in this country. No, absolutely. Uh, Colin, I'm putting you on the spot here. I know I, I asked, do, do we have any highlights from, from Tina's reporting in in Atlanta? Because you've actually been there covering some of these protests, covering some of these other events. And that, I always say this, but like, that's what sets status quo apart up and above from everybody else right. is, sure, we can sit here, uh, you know, in our offices or whatever and, and talk about this stuff, but we actually go on the ground right. to go cover these important right. stories. Tina's been to Atlanta twice at this point, I believe. Yes, I'm sure twice, there's yeah. more pl plans coming. Uh, I've been covering East Palestine, Ohio since February. I've been four times at this point. Jordan's been on the ground in Flint, in Kalamazoo, so many other places. Yeah. Uh, so if you're able to support this kind of reporting and actually going out and being able to be like, oh, you know, this, this update on Cop City is happening. Like, let's have Tina on, who's been there twice, to come talk about it. Tina obviously does her show every week as well. Uh, if you're able to support that type of reporting, statusqcom slash join for literally as low as five to 10 bucks a month uh, is a big help to be able to do so. Um, Colin, I think we do have that clip right there. Um, if we don't wanna, we can take a, take a look at some of Tina's reporting uh, from Atlanta. Tina Desiree Berg with Status Coup News reporting for breaking points. What the city of Atlanta and police are calling a public safety training center, activists have dubbed Cop City. The neighborhood where Cop City is slated to be built is an unincorporated part of DeKalb County, and it is mainly a poor black neighborhood. For three years, protesters have camped in the Weehalani Forest, where the location is. And in January, the Georgia police killed one of those protesters while trying to sweep the protesters from the park. Police claim the protesters shot at them first, but an independent autopsy showed that Manuel Teran, affectionately known as Tortuguita, had 57 gunshot wounds and was seated with their hands up when shot. The city of Atlanta and the police have slowly been escalating their aggression towards the protest movement. They have arrested several activists that are being charged as domestic terrorists, even though they have done nothing more than utilize their First Amendment rights. And this week, they arrested an elder activist who was peacefully protesting outside of one of Cop City's funders, Home Depot. Stop, stop, city. 
Thanks, Colin. I just want to point something out here that what when when we were standing there watching this happen and this uh, police officer was saying that I was like, do you not hear yourself and do you not understand that you 100 percent sort of validating the point that the cop city protesters are trying to make, which is that the police foundation is pretty much run by the donors that donate to the police foundation. Home Depot is one of the biggest donators to the police foundation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they support the building of Cop City. So, and there was a guy there, there that day from corporate. Um, he walked up to me and he's like, I'm here to handle uh, the press. And I'm like, you guys just arrested grandma. There's no coming back from this. I have no idea right. what possibly say right now that's going to make <laughs> make the PR nightmare that you just created for yourself go away. Right. Um but, you know, he didn't want to talk to me on camera. But but it's interesting to me. Um, the reason I want to stop and point this out is it's interesting to me mm-hmm. to see how insular these folks are. They don't see any issue with what they're saying right there. Um, and as bad as other police departments can be in, in making mistakes across the country, I think in most instances, what you would normally see in this kind of a situation is the officer approaching her and saying, hey, Home Depot doesn't want you on their private property doing this right now, even though you're in the parking lot, maybe you can just move over to this section of the parking lot over here and, and that'll be fine. That didn't happen. They just cuffed her and dragged her through the parking lot because Home Depot asked them to. Right. Yeah. No, no, it it is it is very ridiculous and that was some good added context and and it's like oh oh the people who are literally paying for the police foundation asking the police to go get rid of these people is uh not a good look uh not a good look at all um let's watch a little bit more of it and then we'll uh we'll we'll talk a little bit more afterwards and exit the premises at that time i also issued them a criminal trespass warning telling them that home depot did not want their business or them inside the store where other inside detained. the store um, this is not an interview i told you the basis of what you need to know the rest of it you can read in the police she spent the night in jail uh, and was released on a 1500 uh bail bond and she's being now charged with criminal trespassing but one of the things that the home depot rep told us that day was that they wanted the police to arrest these individuals and they didn't want them on the property which sort of plays into the narrative the following oh, day go. we saw something similar at cadence bank uh, there were some bank individuals uh, with the bank outside with a very large police present. And when I stepped, uh, laid down on the stairs to film part of the protest, they told me that I was even going to be arrested if I touched the stairs anymore and that it was private property and that that would be criminal trespassing per Cadence Bank. <laughs> Late in the hours. Uh, all right, Colin. That, we don't. We, we won't play the whole thing for folks who want to see that whole video. I believe it's. Uh, I'm not sure that that's also on Status Quo, but that whole video is on either sure. Status Quo or Breaking Points channel. Um, yeah, and you know what, Tina? I remember at one point uh, it was. I think it was on the trip you and Colin were were there, and there was that the protest that got you know the, there was a police car on fire at one point. Um, there was one yeah. line that you said at one point, and I was cutting some shorts to go on YouTube and, and TikTok or whatever, and it was Tina and Colin there, 
and she was like, oh, I heard some loud bangs over there. Like, let's go that way and like running right towards it. So if you appreciate <laughs> Tina getting out there and putting herself on the yeah, line to go get that sort of coverage. people are running in the other direction. I'm like, yeah, Tina's, <laughs> Tina's running towards the fire. So smash the like button for that. Leave a super chat, become a member for, for Tina always running right towards the danger there. Jeez. Um, Somebody has to do it. It's something. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, well, I guess uh, anything else you want to share as far as things coming up on on the Cop City coverage? Or, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm actually going to be interviewing one of the kids that is being uh, charged with domestic terrorism uh, in probably next week or the week after. So we'll probably release awesome. that as a premiere here on Sasku. Uh, but I've spoken with his attorney a few times. Um, gotten a, I, not to give out any deals, but I got a good background on what's going on here. Um, you know, and I think it's important for folks to hear directly from the individuals facing these charges because mm -hmm. they're very serious. This individual has been under house arrest with an ankle bracelet on all these months um, for basically doing nothing more than exercising First Amendment rights. Absolutely did nothing more than that. But this is how... Uh, this is how the state is using this sort of guilt by association argument um, right. to loop in these folks to try to just, I, in my opinion, it's just to chill uh, the protest. There's no other valid right. reason to do this. Well, that's not be even a valid who, reason. Yeah. Be, be careful who you buy glue reason. for. Right. Be careful yeah. who you buy glue for because you could go down for racketeering soon. It's insane. So, yeah. It is insane. That's, that's terrible. Uh, Tina, thanks so much for taking the time to come on. Uh, I am going to start to wrap things up. If you want to stick around for super chats and whatnot, you're welcome sure. to. If not, um, yeah, we, we, all right, we got a couple here. So first off, I saw we had a $100 donation. Wow. Uh, from Leslie uh, on statusq.com slash donate. So Leslie, thank you. We appreciate that. Um, we have a couple other super chats here. Uh, das Bosch Fleisch, uh, 249 euros. Want to defeat Trump? Cut off his Diet Coke supply. <laughs> <laughs> not a not a bad idea. Uh, we'll we'll have to see. Uh, yeah, we'll have to see. Maybe Joe Biden will ban Diet Coke and he'll make it impossible for Trump to get it. I don't know. Uh, th thanks for the super chat, Das Bosch Fleisch. We appreciate it. Uh, fly Chomper Fly, five bucks. Uh, totally agree. So glad you see laws not been applied evenly. Republicans see this encourages conspiracy theories as well as pushback, aka more Trump support. Uh, that was on. Uh, we talked a little bit about the uh, Trump is having ballot access lawsuit uh, just brought up today in Colorado. Right. They're trying to keep him off the the ballot. I'm curious what you think about it actually. So I was, I, I'm kind of I, I I prefaced it. I was like maybe this is a bad take, but I almost think it's at this stage of the game, a little scary to remove him from the ballot in some of these no, states? No, I agree with because you. It's, I don't think okay. they, he should be. I don't, that's just an affront to democracy. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because that's, my, that's kind of, yeah. My bigger concern is why is it okay? So not to get off on a tangent, but if yeah. Trump gets gets convicted, goes to jail. Why, why is it not in our laws anywhere that you can't run from office if you, you're a criminal? That seems kind of weird right. to me. I don't know. Agreed. That would be a more yes. valid, to me, that would be a more valid concern. Um, no, I don't think anybody should have ballot access removed. And in fact, it really irks me when they go after Green Party and other third party individuals uh, on the same regards. I want to strengthen mm -hmm. our democracy. And strengthening democracy means allowing people you disagree with to also run for office. 
Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I, I was like. I, I, dis, I dislike Trump as much as the next guy. However, uh, you know, if you really want to beat him, just put up a candidate who actually speaks to the American people and can understand the lived experience of what people are going through and right. offers real solutions. Yeah. I'm not holding my breath for that to happen necessarily, um, but yeah. uh, there's that. Uh, we, yeah. We've got another super chat here from Ariana Negron, 10 bucks. This super chat is dedicated to everyone that talks in the chat, homies. Uh, thank you to all those. Thank you, Ariana. And yeah, we appreciate you all in the chat. Last week, I, I tried to do a little bit of uh, uh, asking some questions and getting a bunch of one word answers from folks. And that was fun. So what? I do try to keep an eye on the chat. No, it was, it was, uh, there was a fun poll because well, it's hard to read them if you got like long. No, long it's hard to keep track of some yeah, specific questions. I got you. Yeah. Um, but uh, awesome. Well, uh, Tina, thanks so much for joining us. Everybody yeah. who is joined on the show today as well, thank you all so much for watching. Uh, we'll have another live stream tomorrow night, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Tina's got her show on Friday yeah. uh, as well. Does that come out at 5 as well? Yes, five as I well. Um, yep. This week, one of the things we'll be looking at is the sentencing on the Proud Boys orga uh, organization. This is actually an organization. They have bylaws. You have to go through an initiation to get to different tiers. Like somebody needs to explain this to the uh, Georgia folks. This is what an organization likes. This is what a decentralized <laughs> movement looks like. You know, and here's right. the thing. Within a decentralized movement, there might be individuals that do commit crimes. But trying to make this argument that you can hold everybody associated with that movement to uh, to account for what one individual does is absolutely asinine and scary and crazy. It's just that, that's just not how it works. Absolutely. And, and actually, I want to say this before we leave here. Uh, Humorous from the chat just gifted five Status Quo News memberships. Five oh, nice. memberships right there. Uh, humorous. Thank you very much for that. Uh, we we appreciate it, and I believe for the five people who just got memberships, uh, they are like randomly assigned. So yeah. maybe you're watching right now, and you just got a membership. So keep an eye out for that. Um, cool. With that, again, if if you want to become a member, statusku.com/slash/join is the best way to do so to enable Tina to get back to Atlanta, to enable me to get continue to cover in East Palestine and other places across the country, wherever. Uh, frankly, bad shit is going on that the rest of the media chooses to ignore. Um, thank you all so much for watching, and have a nice night.